0: The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Well, church, my heart is full, and I hope that you are excited about this new year. And I'm excited about this new series that we're starting today called Serious Faith. So whether you're here in the room, or whether you're out in the commons, or whether you may be joining us online, I am glad you are here. And I hope and pray that your heart has been stirred and that you are hungry to receive the truth today from God's Word. So if you're a note taker, you can write this title down, Committed to the Cause. That's what we're going to open this series up with. Because all throughout history, there have been inspirational figures that have made the difficult choice to stand alone for something that they believed in. In the Bible, we even see these stories of people who would stand alone for what they believed in, like Noah, who stood in the face of mockery when it hadn't even rained. And this guy's saying that water's going to fall from the sky. And so he builds this giant boat and everyone's mocking him. And he still stands alone in spite of that. We see people like Esther, a young queen who approached the king without permission, without being summoned, and risked her own life to go and to plead on behalf of her people. And we see how God worked in that situation. And then a young man by the name of David, who when all of Israel's mightiest warriors were standing by the side, he chose to stand alone. And to go forward and stand for what he believed in in the face of adversity. We could go on and on about people like this that we've seen that are willing to move when everyone else stood still. And it seems that these people have a different resolve, a different level of commitment to their cause. That they're willing to give themselves completely... To it. And today, as we kick off this new series called Serious Faith, I want you to understand this is going to be an ongoing theme and an ongoing series throughout all of 2019 because I believe that God is calling our church to grow in maturity like never before, to be challenged and to be stretched beyond what's comfortable, to take our faith seriously like we never have before because there is no such thing as casual Christianity. There is no such thing. It just doesn't exist, although we may think that it does. Now, there are people who are seeking, and if that's you today and you haven't made up your mind about this whole following Jesus thing, that's okay because you're in a safe place to check that out and hear the gospel. But if you're a person that has made that decision to follow Jesus, there is no such thing as casual christianity go in your bible over to matthew chapter 8 we're going to look at matthew 8 and we're going to kind of hang out there for a little bit so if you want to like put a piece of paper or if you got one of these sweet little bookmarks in your bible you can kind of put that there just to wedge it there to hold your place because we're going to go back to matthew 8 throughout this message today matthew 8 and verse 1 let's look at what happened here it says when he talking about jesus So when Jesus came down the mountain, great crowds followed him. Stop right there. A large crowd, a multitude, some translations say, followed him. It was a large group of people that were following Jesus. Man, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? I'm going to follow Jesus. Look at all these people that are following Jesus with me. This is an exciting thing when everyone is doing it. It's an exciting thing when everybody seems to be on board with Jesus. Woohoo! Let's go all follow Jesus together. Let's rally the troops. A multitude, you guys, was following Jesus. And it seemed that everywhere he went, there were just these huge crowds. Until one day, Jesus said something really difficult. And when he said something really difficult to him, you know what the scripture says happened? The crowd stopped following him that day. And then Jesus turned around to the 12 disciples, the the group that had been with him since the beginning of his ministry, these guys he had called. He turns to them, and you would think he would say, guys, what are we going to do? Everybody left. He looks at them, and instead of asking them why everybody left, he says, you want to leave too? What? What? He was trying to communicate to them the seriousness of following him because the crowd followed Jesus because he was popular. The crowd was all about the FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out. They were all about that. They were like, I don't want to miss out on what's going on. This is the happening thing in our town. I want to be a part of it. This is the happening thing, and and that can happen in Christianity where someone may say, oh, there's this new thing going on at this other church, and oh, man, I want to be a part of that. That's exciting. Or there's something fresh, or there's something that's just buzzing around that I just want to connect with, and it seems like all of the cool kids are going there. It seems like everyone who's someone is attached to this thing, and I want to be on the inside, and because of the fear of being on the outside... We'll make the necessary adjustments to follow. But here's the thing. We will only do those things for so long. We'll only follow for so long if that's our motive, is just to be included, to come and see what's going on, to just follow him because he was popular, because the crowd followed Jesus because he was popular. Let's keep on looking here, Matthew 8. Let's jump down to verse 18 check this out. Matthew 8 and verse 18 says, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. So there's like a body of water. And he says, all right, guys, let's go over to the other side. There's a ton of people here. And a scribe came up to him and he said, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Man, would that make you feel good to hear that? Wow, he must really be a good leader. Someone comes up to him and makes this pledge, this declaration in front of everybody. Teacher, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And we can be just like that guy, where we'll say, Jesus, man, I'm just so in love with you. I'll follow you wherever you go. And you think Jesus would have said, man, that that warms my heart, bro. That makes me feel really, really good. I feel extra special because you shared this information with me. No, Jesus says this. Verse 20, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Oh, that's weird. Why would you say that? Why wouldn't you just say thanks? Because he wanted to communicate to him the seriousness of following him. Verse 21, another of the disciples said to him, Hey, Lord, okay. So here's the deal. Let me first go bury my father, all right? Let me go take care of some business. And Jesus said, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. That's kind of cold, man. That sounds really cold. But Jesus was trying to draw a firm, solid line saying, this is the cost of following me. Am I worth everything Someone was inspired, and they were ready to sign up, but Jesus said, you've got to think about the cost of this thing. Because if you don't weigh the cost, you're actually going to fizzle out like the crowd did. Because every real commitment has its cost. Anything worth doing is going to have a cost to it. We found this out when we make New Year's resolutions. We kind of want those things that we make resolutions for, but we kind of want other things more. It's like, I want to lose weight and I want to save money, but eating junk food and spending money is more fun, it seems like. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but it's a temptation that's there that's always saying, hey, I'm more fun you're going to get what you want quicker, this instant gratification. And if I want to truly commit to the thing that I have said I wanted to commit, then I have to see the cost and that, man, it's going to be some hard days, going to be some hard times, but I have already made up my mind that it's worth it no matter what the cost. And that's why it helps me to persevere because I know that it's gonna be worth it no matter what type of pain, I have to continue to endure because every real commitment has a cost. Does anyone remember the Columbia House Record Company? Does anyone remember that? Anyone, let me see hands. How many of you guys joined the Columbia House Record Company? That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so when I was 13 years old, My parents got me a CD player for my birthday, and that was when having a CD player was a big deal, okay? And I was so excited about it, and I could get 12 CDs for a penny. What? Are you kidding me? I had a penny. I had a penny. I could make this thing happen, bro. So I, I, and it was really cool. If you remember, you would get it like in the Sunday paper, there would be like these little sticky stamps that you could like peel off. And then you could put the stamps in the 12 slots. And it was like magic to a 13 year old man. I pulled those things off and I stamped them on there and I mailed that dude in and my mom didn't know about it. But she found out, God bless her and the CDs came in and there was a stack of them and I thought I've got music forever but there was the commitment You see, I had to buy eight CDs at full price over the next two years. And it wasn't full price like going to a typical, you know, music store full price. It was like crazy full price. And to a 13-year-old spending $30 on a CD was super intimidating. But yet I learned my lesson that there was a cost. It wasn't as free as I thought that it was. And so... When Jesus hears about a guy that's ready to make a commitment, the guy, the guy he's excited about following Jesus, and Jesus is like, man, you didn't read the fine print. You don't understand what you're asking. You don't understand there's a cost here, and it's probably gonna be more than you're willing to pay, so I'm gonna go ahead and call you out on it because I love you, and I want you to see that there's a cost to this. So Jesus, in love, challenges this guy's commitment who comes to him and says, I'll follow you wherever you go. he says, yep, I'm homeless. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I got nowhere to lay my head. Come on, let's go. Oh, well, I thought, you know, like this guy, he's popular. Surely he's like staying, you know, like at the Ritz-Carlton, right? I mean, where does all the money go anyways for the ministry, you know? Where's he staying? He said, I I got nowhere to lay my head. I don't know where I'm spending the night tonight. You, You want to come be a part of this? Come follow me. And then another person says, hey, I'll, I'll follow you, but I've got stipulations, right? I've got other things I need to go take care of. And instead of Jesus going, oh, okay, go take care of all that, then come follow me, Jesus says, no, am I not more valuable? Am I not worth it? That seems irrational almost to us. But to Jesus, it made perfect sense because he was trying to show them who he was. So are we really following Jesus? That's the question that I want to ask today. That I hope that every one of us does some soul searching and we're able to answer. Are we really following Jesus? Are we truly taking our faith seriously? Because no one commits to a cause worth dying for and then just goes about doing everything in a casual way. The motivator of paying a price for anything, the motivator of justifying a cost, is the value that we see in the prize. That's the motivator. That's how we can justify the exchange. We go, I think this is worth this, so I'm willing to pay. <clears throat> Have you guys ever, like, on purpose, intentionally paid more for something than what it actually costs? Like, maybe around Christmas time, if there's like a super popular gift that your kid wanted and you can't find it anywhere, and like, oh man, I can't find it anywhere, but someone has Tickle Me Elmo. But the problem is, is that Tickle Me Elmo, any other day of the year would be $29.95. But for you, and just for you, it's $100. And there's something in you, this love for your kid. You're willing to, to exchange something because there's a value that runs deeper than that item, right? You want to be able to surprise your child or be able to make them happy. So you pay an outrageous, unreasonable cost For what you get in return, because it's really just a a plush red thing that you're going to have to buy batteries for, and you're eventually going to donate to Goodwill. (laughs) But you just dropped a bill on it, because there was something else motivating you. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? That there was a value you saw, and so you were willing to go to extreme lengths that didn't make sense to everyone else around you. And you would you even questioned it yourself at times but when you saw your kid light up on christmas morning you knew it was worth it and and maybe you've had that experience but but when you justified the exchange because the value was something that mattered to you read over in matthew chapter 20 uh, chapter 8 and, and verse 23 let's let's jump back into This story here. Matthew 8 and verse 23 says, And when Jesus got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea. So the boat was being swamped by the waves. Where was Jesus? He was asleep. And they went and woke Jesus and they said, Save us, Lord! We're we're perishing! We're gonna die! And Jesus said, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm, and the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? And when I read that scripture as I was preparing for this message, I was grieved. I've read this story and shared this story so many times over 19 years of preaching the word as a pastor I've read this, I've studied this, but I've never been grieved over reading it. But I was just grieved when I was preparing this message and I read that last scripture that we just shared where they said, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him because he criticized their lack of faith. Now, he wasn't criticizing their lack of faith because they should have had enough faith to be able to make the winds calm. That wasn't what was going on here, not like they should have known better and they could have just made the winds calm down themselves. He was telling them, do you not have faith in who I am? And then after he tells them they have a little faith, they don't really see, they don't really get it yet, they still don't get it after he even calls them out on it because they go, what kind of man is this? Even the winds, that was a pretty cool trick, man. That was a really cool miracle. That was a really cool act that you just did, Jesus. You see, they were with Jesus, but they hadn't given him everything yet. They had not yet seen who he was. They had an idea of who he was, but they had not truly seen the value of the prize. They didn't understand who was in the boat. They were following an inspirational figure that they didn't know. And I think that this group followed Jesus because he was really inspirational. The crowd followed Jesus because he was popular. The disciples followed Jesus because, wow, he was really inspirational. They got to hear his teachings. They got to be taught privately by Jesus. They got to witness his miracles. And, man, they were inspired. And that inspiration caused them to say, I will follow you. But here's the thing that each one of these groups has, both the multitude and the disciples. Everybody had a line. Everybody had a limit. They would only follow so far. They would only get so close. They would only give up so much because they only saw so much value. Because when it began to get a little too tough, those began to kind of fall away. The multitude, it was just a hard sermon and a hard word that Jesus spoke about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And they were like, well, this is weird. I'm out. I don't even want to figure out what that means. I'm done with this. For the disciples, it was the fact that when Jesus began to be persecuted and beat and, and 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 he began to be led up to his final place on the cross there to die for the sins of the world, that was the line for them because them guys scattered, man. But oh, there was this one guy. You remember the disciples, Simon Peter? The zealous, passionate dude, the guy that was like, I'm all in in John 13:36. Simon Peter says to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow, but you will follow afterwards. And then what happens next? He says, oh, I'll follow you anywhere. And Jesus didn't go, oh, Pete, oh, man, you're my guy. No, he says, where I'm going, you can't follow. In other words, Jesus was exposing Peter's line that he had. I'm exposing the limit to your commitment. I'm exposing the value that you see in me because you're only going to go so far. Oh, no, I'll, I'll go anywhere. I'll, I'll follow you anywhere, Lord. You just tell me where you're going. I, I'm in. He says, here's the deal. Actually, you're not going to follow me. You're actually going to deny me three times before the sun comes up and the rooster's going to crow. Oh, I would never deny you. What happens? What happens? Jesus exposed his line and he denied Christ when people said, I saw you with him. I I don't know. I don't know him. Because all of a sudden, the line for Peter was his own personal security. His personal security of making sure his world was safe. When that personal security was threatened, all of a sudden he said, I'm out. That's as far as I'm willing to go. And some people... Like Simon Peter, we, we get this idea, I'll follow Jesus as long as things are going good in my life, but then the moment something's actually going to cost me something, I go, whoa, 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 I'm out. This is too inconvenient. This is threatening my status. This is threatening my, what others think about me. This is threatening my financial security. This is threatening my schedule. This is threatening my me time. And we began to say, oh, this is, this is threatening this, so we keep everything at bay to where we can just manage it, and we put Jesus in a box, and we say, I'll follow you, Jesus, when it's convenient. I'll follow you when it makes sense. And we don't really understand who he is. But Jesus gave a prophetic word to Peter. He said, you can't go right now because you don't see the value in who I am. But there's going to come a time when you do. So he was giving Peter some hope, saying, you're about to blow it, buddy. You're about to mess up big time. But you're going to get it before you die. Because you can't follow me now because I'm going to die for the sins of the world. But there will be a time where you will be so committed to me, and you will see so much value in me that you will be willing to die for me. So where I am going, you're going to go there. And church history tells us that Peter was crucified on a cross upside down by his own request because he said he wasn't worthy to die in the same manner as Jesus. The same man who denied him three times, who said, I'm in, I'm your guy. Something changed, something shifted in between him following Jesus because he was inspired and him looking at Christ as this wonderful figure that, wow, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Wow. He moved from that to denying Christ to something shifted, and now he's willing to die. What happened? What shifted? Because Peter was only willing to go so far. I would do thing for love but I won't do that. And then something changed. You're welcome. (laughs) And then something shifted. Something changed. You see, he saw value he hadn't seen before. And what was the value that he saw? It was the resurrected Christ. When he saw the resurrected Christ, because he was even doubting and sad and bummed about Jesus dying. But then when he saw and encountered the resurrected Christ, something shifted in Peter to where now he was willing to die. And before, he was not willing to risk his own personal security He saw Jesus for who he was. He's going, I know who was in the boat that day when the storm came. I know who that was now. I know him, I walked with him, I was taught by him and I see his love for me and what he did for me and I've experienced and encountered the power of the resurrected Christ and now I'm willing to fully commit and give him everything even if it costs me my life. Nothing is more precious, nothing is more valuable than Jesus. And Peter was willing to get to that place. And Jesus said he would get there. But when Peter thought he was there, Jesus said, you're not there. Are you hearing me today? You thought you were there. Oh, yeah. I'm doing good with my commitment, right? I'm following Jesus closely. Read my Bible, pray every day. Doing my devotions, listening to Christian music. And I'm growing, I'm in a group, or I'm serving at church, or whatever the case may be. I feel like, a man, I'm, I am checking these boxes off. God must really be impressed with me. And Jesus is like, yeah, you've got a line. You've got a line of how far you're willing to go. Because when that ask comes your way, or when that cost comes your way, and it's time to go, yes, Lord, here I am, everything is yours, all I am is yours and then we go, mine and he's like Mm-mm, nope that's why Paul says, don't you know that you were bought with a price you're not your own anymore you belong to God who are we to even think we could say, no Lord, my time my terms, my way, no, he said Mm-mm, nope my terms, my will, my way you don't, you, you don't really get this because you haven't seen the value. When you see the value, you go, I get it, it makes sense, I, I, I'll do it. Because, Lord, I, I see so much value in you. Let's go over to Luke chapter 14 and let's read one of the most challenging parables I think that was ever shared by Christ. Luke 14 and verse 15. And I love the way this opens up. This is like classic us, Okay? And like, is this classic humanity. Luke 14 and verse 15 says, when one of those reclined at the table was with Jesus, they heard him teaching and he said to him, hey, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And you're like, man, Jesus should have been like, you were paying attention. Good job, buddy. You are a note taker. Awesome. He just made the statement. "Ah, Blessed is everyone who eats at the kingdom of God. Yeah, bless everyone who eats at the table. Theirs is the kingdom. And Jesus goes, yeah, okay, so let's talk about that. Jesus said to him, verse 16, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I've bought a field. I must go and see my field. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I need to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and I just cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master, and the master of the house became angry. And he said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done, and there's still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and he was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down and deliberate whether he's able to, with 10,000, meet him who comes at him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. You see, church, the value that we see in Christ must outweigh the value we see in anything and anyone else. The value that we see in Christ must outweigh the value we see in anyone else or anything else. It is my responsibility as your pastor to teach you truth. And I will unapologetically teach truth from the scripture. And my prayer is that the eyes of our understanding will be opened to be able to see truth today that we will see the value of following jesus and see that he is more valuable than anything else this world would have to offer anything this is the cost of following jesus this is his agenda this is his priority and it takes number one seat in our lives That's why one of the first things I shared with you today was there is no such thing as casual Christianity. There are only those who have committed to the cause of Christ. And then there are those who follow Jesus because he's popular. There are those who follow Jesus because he's inspirational. But to truly follow Jesus is to count the cost and to find that there is nothing, no one greater, nothing on the planet that is better than giving Jesus priority in my life. This is what it means to take your faith seriously. This is not a feeling. This is a commitment. A commitment to the cause of Christ. So I want to ask you today, Based on the scripture that we read, man, in Luke 14, that's tough stuff. I know that's heavy. I know that's hard. I know that's difficult to hear. Because we like stuff. And and we, we like all of our dreams, our ambitions, all these other things that we think we deserve or that we're entitled to. And Jesus said, is it more valuable than me? How do I know if it's more valuable to me than Christ? Well, am I sacrificing everything for it? Am I giving it more priority in my life than Christ? Do I love it more than Christ? Am I more passionate about it than I am serving Christ? Am I more committed to it than I am to Christ? If if that's the case and if if the answer is yes then we need to repent. And we need to turn away from our idolatrous ways of elevating things above God. Or elevating other people in our life above God. Everything has its place. But Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33 to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then everything else is just going to fall into a healthy order. But he has to be first. He has to be the one we're taking the most seriously. He has to be the most valuable. And if he's not the most valuable, and if there's no casual Christianity, then what am I doing? What am I really doing? Am I just following an inspirational figure? Am I just following because it's popular and it's a cool thing to do and yeah, I have a cool faith? An acceptable faith? Or do I have a serious faith? A serious faith. Now let's read a verse of scripture that we read and I quote all the time. I've been your pastor for seven years here at Word of Grace. And if you've heard any scripture shared from this pulpit by me, it's been this one. Romans 12 and 1. So I beg you, brothers and sisters... Because of the great mercy God has shown us. That you would offer your lives as a living sacrifice to Him. An offering that is only for God and is pleasing to Him. Considering what He has done, it's only right that you should worship Him in this way. In other words, Paul is saying to the Romans, there's an exchange here. You have to see the value. And what is the value? Presenting your body as a living sacrifice. I will be intentionally, willingly, regularly, sacrificially inconvenienced for the cause of Christ. Because it's not my will, but Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen, somebody? Matthew 13 and 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. That's a crazy little parable there. He found a treasure and he says, this is worth everything. And so I want to hide this treasure so I can get rid of everything that I have and have enough money to go buy the field so now I have this field and I have the treasure in the field because it means that much to me Jesus is saying this is the parallel of how the kingdom of heaven should be like this is where the priority should lie this is where the commitment should be because you can choose to follow Jesus because he's popular, you like his message you like his outcomes, you like his miracles what he can do for you You can follow Jesus because he inspires you, and you just want to be close to inspirational people because they make me feel good, man. Love being around inspirational people. Or or you can follow Jesus because you see value that is unmatched in who he is. And that unmatched value causes you to commit, and it causes you to be willing to give everything to him. So here's what I want us to do. I want everybody in this room, let's just bow our heads. Don't think about me. If you're watching online, why don't you just bow your head too? If you're out in the commons, bow your head too. Let's do this together. Let's just take a moment and let's analyze our heart and ask ourselves the question how closely are we following Jesus? Are we in the crowd? the multitude? Are we in the boat, maybe? We're in the boat, but we don't really know who He is or see Him as truly valuable? Or are we amongst those who have encountered the resurrected Christ who are willing to give Him everything? Lord, help us to answer this question and to grow from this moment. Help us to grow, to take our faith more seriously in this moment where today is a day where we move forward, where we transition from a casual faith to a serious faith. Let this first Sunday of 2019 be a marker, a memorial, a place where we have done business with God and we're not playing games anymore. A place where we move from a casual trust and a casual faith that we thought was good enough. But Lord, you're challenging us to count the cost. Open the eyes, Lord, of the blind. Open the ears of the deaf, Lord, so we can see, so we can hear this truth that your Holy Spirit is wanting to bring as a revelation to every heart so that we can be stirred to follow you because we see your beauty. We see your value. We see your worth. And we're willing to give you everything. Help us do that today. And Lord, if if we recognize, man, I, I don't even know if I'm a Christian today. Lord, let us rest in the fact that we can confess you as our Lord. We can believe in our heart and we can trust with that saving faith that you've given us to be able to find, Lord, the answer, to find the hope that is in Christ alone. Where we say, Jesus, I need you. I recognize I have not been taking this thing seriously. Forgive me, Lord. I, I, I want to ask for forgiveness, and I want to do a 180 and turn around and repent, and I want to begin from this day forward to take you seriously, more so than ever before, because I see a value in you that I haven't seen before, and forgive us for not counting the cost. Forgive us for thinking that, that we somehow uh, get to be the, the master of our, uh, over our own destiny. <laughs> But Lord, help us to see ourselves as your vessels where your spirit dwells. And we get to be a part of your kingdom agenda. We get to be called sons and daughters of God. We get to experience your love and share your love and your goodness and your truth and your mercy with others, with our coworkers, our family, our kids, our, our, our neighbors. We get to do this. We get to come to church. We get to serve. We get to be a part. We get to love on each other. We get to work through challenges together. We get to encourage each other during the low times. We get to cheer together during the the, the celebrations. We get to do this, Lord. Let us not miss that. And it's all because of Jesus. You've made all things new. You've forgiven us of our sins. And you want us to take this thing seriously. So help us to move from a compartmental Christianity, a casual faith to a serious faith and trust and hope in you. Do it, Lord. And let it not stop here. Let it not stop on this Sunday morning. But let this only be the catalyst. Let this be the springboard to launch forth a mighty church. A mighty people who take their faith in their God seriously. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.